We got a lot to cover tonight, so I'm just going to dive right in. James chapter 3, verse 1. We are going to look at one verse tonight, but we're going to look at a lot of passages that connect with that one verse tonight. Because we've been studying the book of James, and we believe that James is calling us and calling his readers to a radical faith, a radical Christian life. He, he doesn't want us to be satisfied with the, the normal Christian life. He, he wants us to reach up and reach out for that, that radical walk with God. And uh, he talks then in chapter 1 about a radical way of looking at trials in our life. And then he talks about a radical way of dealing with temptation and then a radical relationship with the Word of God. In chapter 2, a couple weeks ago, we saw where he wanted to talk to us about this radical gathering of people called the church and how we should act and react to each other. And then last week, we talked about a radical faith, the kind of faith that, that truly believes and trusts God for just amazing things because nothing is impossible with God. Tonight, he wants to talk to us about a radical view of responsibility. A radical view of responsibility. Notice what he says in James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. He doesn't say not any of you. He says not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we will be judged more strictly. That's the verse we're going to jump off of tonight. Because in that verse, he's really saying a lot of things. First of all, he's reminding us that spiritual responsibility is a great, or spiritual service and ministry is a great responsibility. It's a great privilege. And we always have to balance privilege with responsibility. And he's simply saying Many in the church, they, they want positions of leadership and, and they want to be teachers. And there's not a thing wrong with that. We, we need good Bible teachers in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. But he's simply saying, before you assume that position or go after that position, remember something. That as a teacher, especially a teacher of the Word of God, that God is going to hold you more accountable It's a pretty good verse for Jeff Royce. <laughs> um, and that's just a biblical principle that runs throughout Scripture. That's why I wanted to dive into this tonight just more than moving on, because I think there's a lot that we need to talk about tonight about responsibility. Because I think one of the things that James is also saying in chapter 3, verse 1 is that he wants us to count the cost before accepting responsibility. And that's at any level. But especially in some spiritual capacity. Obviously, we encourage people here to volunteer, to serve, to minister. We need folks to step up. We want folks to step up. God is calling us to do that. We're going to talk about that. But God just simply reminds us through James, before we assume any kind of responsibility... Let's count the cost. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Gospels when he said, For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't sit down first and count the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish the tower, all who see it will begin to make fun of him. They will say, This man began to build and was not able to finish. 
So Jesus just simply says that one of the ways we should live our lives as believers and looking at responsibility in a biblical way, in a a radical way, is first of all, before we assume any responsibility, let's count the cost. Let's make sure that we can do it, that we can do it well, that we can do it excellently, and that we will finish what we say we're going to start and we're going to do it. Count the cost. Because I think Jesus is simply saying to us, While you're counting the cost, while you're praying about it, while you're weighing it, before you say yes to a responsibility, it may come to your mind that, no, this isn't something I should assume right now. You see, it may even be a timing issue. It may not be God saying no forever. It might be this is a season of life where with everything else you've got going on or I've got going on, God is simply saying in wisdom, turn that down, count the cost. Make sure that you and I are willing to pay the price and to count the cost for whatever that responsibility is going to be that we take on because God's Word teaches that if we do take on a responsibility, He expects us to do it excellently, to do it to the very best of our ability, to give it our all. And if we can't give it our all and follow through with it, then better not to start it to begin with. Count the cost before accepting responsibility. I think that's what James is saying here to the church. Many in James's day were aspiring to be teachers because to be a Bible teacher sometimes, you know, held certain uh, status within the church. But he says, be careful. You may want to assume that position, but do you realize the heavy responsibility that a Bible teacher has before God, not to mention before other people? So James is simply saying, not many of you should become teachers because you will be judged more strictly. Why? Because the other biblical principle is the greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility. And, and God gives us wonderful privileges. But in our society today, a lot of times we don't talk about the responsibility that goes along with those privileges. I don't have to tell you based upon just the news that you and I have heard this past week in our country. That there's been a lot of people who've assumed positions of privilege who have not held those positions responsibly. And the greater the privilege that God gives to us, or the greater privilege even in this world that someone has, the greater the responsibility that that carries with it. Listen again to the words of Jesus, where he says, Everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. The greater the privilege the greater the responsibility. It's a great privilege to be a teacher of the Word of God, but James tells us the principle is we will also be held more accountable for that privilege of being a Bible teacher. All of us, you know, we live, we start thinking about all the privileges that we have. First of all, I believe it's a privilege to live in our country. Our country is far from perfect, and it's really going through some tough times right now, but it's a privilege, I believe, to be an American. It's a privilege, yeah. And it's something that we need to remember that as God has given us that privilege to live in this country and to enjoy the freedoms that we do, there also comes a corresponding responsibility. We also have the Word of God. In fact, many of us have multiple copies of the Bible in our home, and yet there are places in this world where they are just wanting a couple pages of Scripture. And so the greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility 
We have a church where we can come to and worship God in freedom and all of that. Greater privilege, greater responsibility. And so God just wants us to measure that all out and understand that. In fact, if you go over just one chapter to James chapter 4, verse 17, James says, whoever knows what is good to do and does not do it is guilty of sin. James even says that if I know what God is expecting of me and I don't do it, guess what? That's sin. And so, again, it's great to be in Bible studies and to be growing, and there's no doubt that's the way to go. But we also have to understand, just like I have to understand, the more I study the Bible, the more I'm accountable for what I'm studying. The the more I gain understanding into the ways of God and the things of God, the more God is going to hold me accountable for those things. For the greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility. And if God has shown me what I should do, and I'm not doing it, James says, that's sin. That's taking the privilege of knowing the revelation of God and the mind of God and the ways of God and the will of God on something and basically saying, no, God, I'll do it my way. God says, that's sin, James 4, 17. Go back to the Gospel of Matthew, and here's where we begin to just take a tour through the Bible. So just... Like I said earlier to you folks, keep your fingers nimble because we're going to be turning to a lot of passages of Scripture tonight. To Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm not going to spend too much time on any of these. They're pretty self-explanatory. But in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning in verse 20, Jesus began to criticize openly the cities in which he had done many of his miracles because they did not repent. They did not accept him as the Messiah. So notice he says to these three Galilean cities, these cities were situated northwest on the Sea of Galilee. We will be at these cities in the the spring when we go to Israel. Or I should say the ruins of these cities because these cities do not exist any longer. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be thrown down to Hades. For if the miracles done among you had been done in Sodom, yeah, Sodom, the same Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis, Jesus says, if the same miracles, get this, that I have done in this city, Capernaum, would have been done in Sodom, they would have repented. And that city would have continued to this day. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for the region of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. See the principle? The greater the privilege, the greater the light, the greater the responsibility. Jesus said, those Old Testament cities had revelation of God. And they were judged justly by God. Because they rejected God. But you have rejected an even greater light, an even greater revelation, because the Son of God Himself is among you. I am doing miracles. I am showing you that I am the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. And you are rejecting me. You are pushing me away. And because you are pushing the greater light away, you will stand more accountable to God. Because the greater the light, the greater the responsibility. That's pretty sobering when you think about it. And it's something that we don't think about a lot, but that's so true. That's why I encourage people, hey, grow in your study of the Word of God. It's the only way we can grow and mature is to have a vibrant relationship with the Word of God. But let's make sure, all of us, that as we are growing in our understanding of the Word of God, that we're also putting it into practice, that we are applying it. 
because before God, we're going to stand more accountable if we fill our head with all these facts about what we know we should do. And as James says in 4.17, we don't do it. We've been given greater light, therefore we are going to be held more accountable for the light that we have been given. Turn over then all the way to the right to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. And again, as I said earlier, all three of those Galilean cities are in ruins today. They never lasted. And I think it's directly attributable to the way they treated Jesus. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, Peter says, For if after they have escaped the filthy things of the world through the rich knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again get entangled in them and succumb to them, their last state has become worse for them than their first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn back from the holy commandment that had been delivered to them. Again, Peter's saying the same thing that Jesus is saying, same thing the Old Testament has always said. Principle running throughout Scripture. Greater privilege, greater responsibility. Greater light, greater accountability. That's why a lot of people today have a misunderstanding. They look at the Old Testament as God being a God who held people in the Old Testament days more accountable than today. And they'll go around saying, but we live in the age of grace today, and we're, we're in the New Testament economy. So, so somehow I think they equate that with, we're less accountable. No. If you understand the message of the Bible, you understand that the people of the Old Testament are less accountable than we are. Because we in the New Testament have greater light. You see, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the completed Word of God. We in the New Testament do. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, we do. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the church. We do. There's lots that we have today that they didn't have. I mean, golly, we can even talk about things like Christian bookstores and things. We have so many more resources to do it right and to know God's will and way about something than they ever did in the Old Testament. The communication, the internet, all of these resources, great things, but because they're great privileges that God has given us, you and I are going to be held more accountable before God because of the great privileges that he has given us. I think we get the warped perspective simply because we don't maybe get the full story of what's going on in the Old Testament. We don't understand the background of why that happened, when it happened, and all of that. And somehow we come to the conclusion that somehow they were more accountable in the Old Testament than the New. That's not biblical. In fact, the book of Hebrews, almost the entire book, talks about the fact that those of us in the New Testament are more accountable because we have been given greater light. We are living after the Messiah came. We are living after the resurrection. We have so much more light and so many more privileges than they did in the Old Testament. And God is saying to all of us, I've given you greater light, but I expect you to respond to that light and to step up and take on those responsibilities. Because you see, some may say, well, after what I'm, I'm reading, I'm backing off. I'm, I'm not going to accept responsibility, especially, especially any kind of spiritual responsibility. I want to spend the rest of our time together encouraging you in these ways. First of all, yes, greater responsibility is because we've been given greater light and greater privilege. However, 
greater responsibility is not something that God wants us to shrink from because God is calling us to a unique, well-fitted responsibility. In other words, turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 30. The reason why we should not be frightened to accept the responsibilities that God is calling us to throughout our life is because God designed us all uniquely, and when God is calling us to a particular responsibility in life, in his church, whatever, it is a unique, well-fitted responsibility. In other words, it's something that matches me because God knows me better than I know myself. He knows my strengths, my weaknesses, my spiritual gifts, my abilities, my strengths, my weaknesses, all of those things. He knows me inside out. And because of that, he's going to match the responsibilities that he calls me to, to the way he has made me. That's why I don't need to fear surrendering to the will of God for my life, because God's never going to call Jeff Royce or any other Christian to something that he hasn't already designed me to fit. That's why Jesus said what he did in Matthew 11, in verse 28, when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you, on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's what people are looking for today. Rest for their soul. And notice then verse 30. Here's the key verse. For my yoke is easy to bear and my load is not hard to carry. And if you study that in the original Greek language, you can come up with the definition that what Jesus is saying there is, the reason why my yoke is light and my burden is easy to carry is because it is a unique, well-fitted responsibility to you. You see, God has this perfect plan and purpose for our lives, and whatever he calls us to, we fit because he knows exactly what fits us because he created us. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, That when we dedicate ourselves and present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, as we grow and mature as a Christian, we come to realize that God's will for our life is something that's good for us, it is pleasing to us, and it's acceptable to us. I don't have to be afraid of surrendering my life to the will of God, thinking he's going to call me to do something that I just don't want to do, because that's not the way God works. God's responsibility for each of us is unique and well-fitted. Matthew 11.30. In fact, again, to remind us how much God knows about us, turn back to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And let's be reminded tonight of how intimately God knows us. And that's why whatever he's going to call you and I to in our life, it fits us. And we don't have to be afraid or shrink back from the responsibility that he's given to us because he knows it already fits because he created us. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. Certainly you made my mind and heart. You wove me together in my mother's womb. Literally, he's saying the arteries and the veins and everything. It's like God is knitting all of these internal organs together. I will give you thanks because your deeds are awesome and amazing. You knew me thoroughly. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and sewed together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was inside the womb. All the days ordained for me were recorded in your scroll before one of them came into existence. 
God knew exactly how long I was going to be alive before I was even born because God has all knowledge from beginning to end. And He knows each of us intimately because He is our Creator. And because He created us, and He created us so uniquely, again, I just want to remind you tonight, don't shrink back from the responsibilities throughout life that God calls you to because if God is calling you to that responsibility, He has uniquely fitted you for that responsibility. And you may not think that you are fit for that, but if God's calling you, you can trust him that that fits you because God knows this better than we even know ourselves. We think we know all about us, but God knows us even more intimately than we know ourselves because he created us in that way, as the psalmist says. In fact, go back to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. This is a great illustration of this. 1 Samuel chapter 17 talks about David going before Goliath. And I'm not going to take the time to go through the whole story. Most of us know the story of David and Goliath. But there came that point where nobody in Israel wanted to go and face the giant but this shepherd boy, David. And so they're trying to figure this all out. And finally he gets permission from Saul, the king of Israel at that time, to go and fight Goliath. But here's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 38. Saul clothed David with his own fighting attire and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also put body armor on him. Now, you you can imagine, Saul was like six foot six, and David was this little scrawny shepherd boy. So you can imagine, the helmet was probably flopping all over his head and the armor and everything. It just, you, you get the picture, right? David strapped on his sword over his fighting attire and tried to walk around, but he was not used to them. David said to Saul, I can't walk in these things, for I'm not used to them. So David removed them. He took his staff in his hand, picked out five smooth stones from the stream, placed them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, took his sling in his hand, and approached the Philistine. Because the only thing David needed was confidence in God. He needed just to relax with who he was. He wasn't a warrior at that point in his life. He was a shepherd boy. And he couldn't put the armor of Saul on any more than you and I can try to fit somebody else's stuff on us. God wants us to be us. He wants us to relax with how he made us and who he made us to be with the unique set of gifts, talents, and abilities and personality that nobody else in the universe has. You are you so unique that there's no other human being who's ever been made exactly like you. And God wants you to get to a point as you grow in your relationship with him where you relax with being who God made you, what he made you to be, and to be able to take those responsibilities that God calls you to, just like David. That was a great responsibility. Nobody else was willing to take the responsibility of facing the giant Goliath and slaying him, but that little shepherd boy did. But he didn't do it by trying to be somebody else. He didn't do it by trying to be Saul. He did it by realizing, I just got to be David. I just got to be that shepherd boy who trusted God to kill the bear and kill the lion and take my smooth stones and take what's familiar to me and go out there in God's power and slay the giant. That's why God says, don't shrink back from the responsibility I'm calling you to because it is uniquely well-fitted to you. You are a loving, unique creation of mine. And whatever responsibility God is asking us to accept, he will be with us. Go back to the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 3. This is the story of Moses. And we're just going to take a quick tour here in the next few minutes through the Old Testament books. Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through the first part of verse 12. 
God comes to Moses. He's calling Moses to accept the responsibility to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And notice, he comes in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Exodus. So now go, and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I don't want to accept that responsibility. Who am I? God knew Moses better than Moses knew Moses. Or that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He replied, God, to Moses, surely I will be with you. Let's move on. Go over to Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Moses continues to dialogue with God. Then Moses said to the Lord in chapter 4, verse 10, O oh my Lord, I'm not an eloquent man, neither in my, the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Can I just tell you that that wasn't a, that wasn't a right evaluation of himself? Moses was a brilliant speaker. Read the New Testament account of what the New Testament writers wrote about Moses. The Lord said to him, verse 11, Who gave a mouth to man? Or who makes a person mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, God is saying, don't I know what I'm doing, Moses? If I'm calling you to this responsibility, I'm telling you that you can do it because I know you can do it because I created you when you were in the womb and I protected you when your parents floated you down the stream and you entered into to the Egyptian's house. I was there with you all that time even before you knew I was with you. And I'm telling you now, Moses, you need to step up and accept this responsibility, not only because this responsibility that I'm calling you to is unique and well-fitted to you, but I will be with you. So now go, verse 12, and I will be with your mouth and will teach you what you must say. Go over then to the book of Deuteronomy. Go through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament. And go all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Well, you know the story. Moses finally did accept the responsibility, but it wasn't before God got a little peeved with Moses. But then Moses turns around in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 7 and now basically commissions Joshua with very similar words. 31.7, then Moses called out to Joshua in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you will accompany these people to the land that the Lord promised to give their ancestors and you will enable them to inherit it. The Lord is indeed going before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Joshua, now you've got to step up and accept the responsibility that God's calling you to because he's going to be with you. And if he calls you to it, it fits you, Joshua. And you know, if you've read Joshua chapter 1, three times in the first eight verses of Joshua chapter 1, God reminded and reassured Joshua, Joshua, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I am with you. Here tonight, I don't know what responsibilities God is calling you to. And maybe in this season of life, you know, you're just trying to man the responsibilities that God has already given you. That's fine. But there's going to come time where as we continue to grow and mature in our faith, again, as we go back to last week, God doesn't want to leave us at this level of faith. He wants to call us up to a higher level, the kind of faith that James is talking about. And so there's going to come a point where God wants to stretch us and he's going to call us to a responsibility. And like many of the Bible characters, we're going to respond, God, I can't do that. And if God is calling us, we have to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I think God knows more than me. 
And God made me, so he probably knows more about me than I know about myself. And if God is calling me, then this is something that he has fitted me for. And, oh, by the way, I'm not going to have to do this by myself. He's going to be with me every step of the way. That's throughout the whole Bible. That's the pattern you see. In fact, go over to the book of Judges. Go past Deuteronomy, go through Joshua, and go to Judges. Judges chapter 6. In fact, just as a preview for, I think, next semester in January, some of you have asked, what book of the Bible are we going to study next semester? I think I'm going to study the book of Judges. Here come the Judges. Because I think the book of Judges has some of the most fascinating stories and some of the most fascinating Bible characters anywhere found in the Bible. Samson, Jephthah, Gideon, uh, Barak, Deborah. But in in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, the Lord is calling Gideon to responsibility. And the Lord's angel came and sat down under the oak. And he arrived while uh, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press so that he could hide it from the Midianites. The Lord's messenger appeared and said to him, the Lord is with you, courageous warrior. Can I just tell you at this point in Gideon's life, he was anything but a courageous warrior. But God saw the potential in Gideon. And God saw that, Gideon, if you just accept this responsibility through my presence and my power and my divine enablement, you will become a courageous warrior. It's the way God works. It's why God called the disciples and said, you're Peter, you know, you're Simon, but you're going to be called Peter. You're going to become a rock. Look at Saul. Saul was Saul, then he was Paul. God always sees us not where we are, but where we can go. He doesn't see what we have become, what we are becoming. He always looks at what the potential is there for what, where we can go. And that's the way it is throughout the Bible as well. So Gideon said to him, pardon me, but if the Lord is with us, why has such disaster overtaken us? Where are all his miraculous deeds our ancestors told us about? They said, did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. And Gideon, like us, is looking around at the circumstances. Instead of walking by faith, he's walking by sight. Then the Lord himself turned to him and said, You have the strength. Deliver Israel from the power of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Gideon said to him, But Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Just look. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my family. Again, like many of us, God calls us to a responsibility and we'll come up with all the excuses. God, I'm this, I'm that, whatever. And we've got to understand when God calls us to responsibility, we shouldn't shrink from it. We should accept it as a great privilege from God and realize that whatever God's calling us to, it fits us and he will be with us just as he was with Gideon. He tells Gideon, you have the strength Because I will be with you. One other in this line. If you go over to the Gospel of Matthew. Let's look at a New Testament passage. Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. The very last words of Jesus before he ascended back to heaven. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18, 19, and 20. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Then Jesus came up and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations. Accept this responsibility. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Here's the responsibility I have for you. To make disciples of all nations. That's a huge responsibility. Great privilege. But awesome responsibility. But Jesus reminds them at the very end, guys, you will not do this great task all by yourselves. You will not do this all alone. Notice the very last words of Jesus. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' presence would be with them until their tasks on earth were finished. Whatever God is calling you to, his presence will be with you until your task and my task on this earth is finished. That's why I don't have to shrink back from the responsibility that God calls me to, because I know he will be there with me to help me every step of the way. I would have never accepted the call to be a pastor 25 years ago had I not realized that God was going to be with me to do it. Because if I felt like I had to do this by myself, I would have never done it. But knowing that this was something that God promised would fit me, and it would be something that he would always be there to help me with, then I was willing to take that responsibility. And God wants you to take that responsibility, whatever he's calling you to tonight as well. Go back now. I told you I was going to turn to a lot of scriptures. I want you to go back to the Old Testament book of Esther. You say, where's the book of Esther? Well, find the book of Job, which is one of the bigger books of the Old Testament. Job is right before the book of Psalms, which is also easy to find. And the book of Esther is right before the book of Job and the book of Psalms. And go to the book of Esther chapter 4. Because another principle here is this. That many times, God will encourage us to take responsibility through the influence and encouragement of other people. Not always. But many times God will use other people in our lives to encourage us to seize that responsibility and that opportunity and take it. That was true even in my life. I, I preached my first sermon when I was 12 years old in a church. And I started very young sort of opening the Bible and teaching it. And one of the things that kept me going down the road that I believe God wanted me to go was the encouragement of people in the church saying, Jeff, you, you need to keep doing that. that. That's something I think God is, is calling you for and whatever. And that's part of what the body of Christ is to do, is to confirm and reaffirm the gifts and callings that God gives to each of us as those unique creations of God. And so here in the book of Esther, you know the story. Esther has to go before the king, but man, she is shying away because she knows if she goes into the king unannounced, she could have her head chopped off. And so she's really wrestling with that. But if she doesn't go before the king at this point in the story, all the Israelites could be slaughtered and all the Jews could be gone off the face of the earth. And so notice we pick it up in Esther chapter 4 verse 12, whenever Mordecai is asking her to step up, and her reply was conveyed to Mordecai. He sends a response back to Esther in verse 13 to take this back to Esther, and here's his response, verse 14. Don't imagine that because you are part of the king's household, you will be the one Jew who will escape. If you keep quiet at this time, liberation and protection for the Jews will appear from another source while you and your father's household perish. It may very well be that you have achieved royal status for such a time as this. 
In other words, he's saying, Esther, this isn't any coincidence, Esther. You're a Jew. You're the queen. You have access to the king. God has placed you there. Esther, you've got to step up and accept the responsibility that God is placing before you. And he's encouraging her and urging her to do it. And that's the way it is many times. You see, not only does the call of God to accept certain responsibilities throughout our life come directly from him through his spirit or through his word, but many times God speaks to us through his people. When they see, yeah, that's something you should do. Even here at Cornerstone, we have people who sometimes they'll come to pastors or other people in the church and they'll say, hey, someone's asking me to lead this particular ministry. Do you see me in that ministry? Do you see me doing that? And there's sometimes where we say, you know what? I just don't see you in that ministry. I see you more fitting in over here. But then there's other times where it's like, oh my goodness, that ministry was made for you. We can so see you doing that. And that's exactly what Mordecai is basically saying to Esther. Esther, this is something you've got to accept. This is something you've got to step up and do. And so many times God will encourage us to responsibility through relationships. Why is it so important that we be faithful to the responsibilities that God has given us throughout our life? Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Here's why we need to be faithful to the responsibilities that God has given us. Because we will be rewarded by God throughout eternity. You see, we're not just talking about something that's going to last for a few years. If I do this, then this can set me up not just for a few years, but for eternity. I mean, Nowadays, and it's been this way for years in America, especially parents have always encouraged their children, go to college, get a degree, because man, you get a college degree and that's going to open up so many more doors of opportunity for you and set yourself up for the rest of your life. Okay, maybe it does. But even if it does, you're talking about doing something and investing in something that might affect 50 years, 60 years of your life. What God is reminding us of is this. If I'm faithful, just faithful to the responsibilities that God places into my hands on earth, I'm setting myself up for eternity. God's not just going to reward me and give me responsibility for a few years. God is going to base the responsibilities and positions and service for him and rewards for him throughout eternity based on how I live my Christian life down here. That's why it's so important that we teach each other and remind each other to be faithful to the responsibilities that God gives us because it is something that lasts for eternity. Notice in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14, Jesus gives a parable. It is like a man going on a journey who summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Not every Christian is given the same privileges, the same spiritual gifts, the same talents and abilities, but each one can be faithful to what God has called them to, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The one who had received five talents went off right away and put his money to work and gained five more. In the same way, the one who had gained two more. But the one who had received one talent went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money in it and basically did not step up and accept the responsibility to be faithful to that which God had given After a long time, guess what? A day of accountability came. And the master of those slaves came and settled his accounts with them. 
The one who had received the five talents came and brought five more, saying, Sir, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master answered, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with two talents also came and said, Sir, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more. His master answered, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. One other passage. Turn to the Gospel of Luke. To Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. And see that Jesus also shares the very same principle, just with a little bit different parable. Luke chapter 19. Verse 11, while the people were listening to these things, Jesus proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And he summoned 10 of his slaves, gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with these until I come back. Rise up and accept the responsibility I've called you to. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to be king over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he summoned these slaves to whom he had given the money. He wanted to know how much they had earned by trading. So the first one came before him and said, Sir, your mina has made ten minas more. And the king said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very small matter, you will have authority over ten cities. Then the second one came and said, Sir, your mina has made five minas. So the king said to him, And you are to be over five cities. You see, Jesus, over and over again, gave the principle that whatever I have placed in your hands down here, if you're faithful to it, I'll give you even more up there. A lot of people, what are we going to do in heaven? What's heaven? Forever? Eternity? That's a long time. Well, first of all, we're never going to get tired of worshiping God. God is also an infinite God, so we're never going to learn everything about God, even throughout eternity, because there's always going to be things about God that we just continue to discover and discover and discover because He's infinite. But the other thing the Bible teaches is we're going to serve. We're not going to be inactive, just sitting around. We're going to be active. We're going to be serving. We're going to have roles and responsibilities in heaven and be rewarded for our faithful service down here. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why we have to call Christians to faithfulness to responsibility. Because we have to remind each other that the faithfulness that we show to our responsibilities here and now is going to be rewarded throughout eternity. With that, I want to ask you to ponder three questions tonight based on our passages that we've looked at tonight. Three questions I want to leave with you. And I'd encourage you to think about these questions even this next week. First question, is there a current responsibility God is asking you to pay closer attention to? Is there a current responsibility that God is asking you and I to pay closer attention to? Something that We have already accepted that responsibility, but maybe we've neglected it. Maybe we've pushed it to the side. Maybe we're not paying attention to it and focusing on that responsibility and being as faithful to that responsibility that we've already taken on that we should as a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is reminding us tonight through these passages that we've looked at, Jeff, I want you to pay closer attention to that responsibility that I've already given you. Second question. 
Is there a responsibility that you are about ready to assume, but that you might need more time to count the cost before you take that responsibility on? Is there a responsibility that you are about ready to take on and assume, but maybe after hearing the passages of Scripture tonight, maybe God's Spirit is asking you to take a little bit more time to count the cost before you assume that responsibility and realize a little bit more about what you're really taking on. Maybe spending a little bit more time in prayer and asking for God's peace to guide you. And the third Is there a responsibility that God is asking you to step up and accept? Is there a responsibility that God is asking you right now in this season of your life that he wants you to step up and accept? And listen, we've already went through the passages where even these great Bible characters that we put on pedestals, they didn't accept it right away. Moses come up with excuses, Joshua, Gideon, you know, there was always somebody better to do it. Lord, you sure you got the right guy or gal for this and all of that. But there came a point where they realized a couple of principles. Number one, whatever God's calling me to, he is uniquely fitted for just me. And secondly, he will be with me. Therefore, there's no reason for me to shrink back from this responsibility that God is calling me to because it's only going to take me further in my relationship with God. It's only going to enhance my spiritual growth and take me to a higher level of spiritual maturity because we can't get there any other way than going back to James 4.17 by knowing what God wants us to do and doing it and not shrinking back from it ponder those three questions i encourage you to do so hey before we wrap it up tonight we've got a few other things that we need to take care of so i hope you'll hang in there with me number one is this we are taking a couple of weeks off this is not by me this is this is just the way we follow the school schedule here in chandler for even the mind So we're taking a couple weeks off, but here's what I'm asking you to do. I've got some folks who are going to come down right now, and they're going to pass out these mind cards. First of all, you can get these mind rave cards at the information table any Sunday that you would want one to maybe give to a friend, a neighbor, an associate at work, or whatever. But here's why we want to pass these out tonight. Because I took four days this past weekend to put stickers on all these mind cards that says, Starts back up Tuesday, October 14th. And I just want to remind each of you when we are starting back up, because a lot of you, we don't want you to come next week on the 30th of September or on the 7th of October, because we won't be here. But we will definitely be here to kick it back off on the 14th, and we want you and somebody else to be here with you. And so what I'd like you to do also is if you would like to take one of these to remind you when the mind starts back up, and also take an extra one to invite somebody to come with you on the 14th, 
We have enough of these that you can take multiple. So just ask Lisa or one of the gals to get you a couple of these, and we will make sure that all of you have as many of these as you need. In fact, I just ordered, I think, another 5,000 because in a couple weeks on Sunday, October the 12th, you will see one of these in every bulletin on our five services on Sunday to remind people that the mine is starting back up. And when we start back up on October 14th, we're diving right back into that great passage in James chapter 3 talking about the tongue and our speech and how important that is. And then just going through the rest of the book of James, God has a lot of great things for us to finish up. I want you to be a part of it, so don't forget about that, and that's why we're passing these out tonight.